Welcome to the Lola Community Podcast. In this podcast, we will have questions, quotes, and conversations between different people, and your host will be Pleasant Selecki. Thank you. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, guys. It's Pleasant. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. It's really such a blessing and such a wonderful part of um, our community and the work to be able to do this with you. If you love our podcast, I'd appreciate if you would share it with a friend, write a review, share on social, um, really helping us spread the messages and the wisdom and the teachings of our lovely, beautiful, authentic community. You can also support the podcast financially right here on the Anchor app or in iTunes, and you can leave me a voice message. I'd love to hear your voice. Chime in, give me a comment or a question. Send our guests um, a question. Send Sailor for her meditations a question or a comment or feedback. We love, love, love hearing from you. Thanks so much for all your support. And uh, Om Shanti, peace to you all. Okay, welcome, Dr. Sabrina. I'm really excited to chat with you today about a very specific topic that I have had the pleasure of hearing you speak of in real life. Um, And in March, for our, our online community, we did a deep dive into ancestral healing from an Ayurvedic perspective mm-hmm. and the Tarpana uh, ritual. So I would like for you to introduce yourself and what you do and how the healing of our ancestors and our genealogy plays into your work at Mind Body Medicine, but okay. then also with therapists. I know you just gave a talk about it this weekend. So I'd love to hear from you and get your wisdom. Oh, thank you. Thank you for inviting me, Pleasance. I I appreciate it. Yeah, (laughs) I love you too. So, um, yeah, so I am a therapist. I've been in private practice um, for over a decade, probably about 12 years I've been in private practice, but I've worked in our field for 30 years. It's been my entire life. It's been my vocation. And so for the past decade, I've been a faculty member with the Center for Mind-Body Medicine. And um, through our work at the center, we basically, in a nutshell, we teach people how to come to a place of inner peace. Mm -hmm. And in that process of inner peace, learn to take care of themselves, to answer some questions that may be unanswered to learn to navigate their nervous systems, to understand their physiology, and understand that there's no separation between the mind and the body and the spirit. Mm-hmm. That every person that mm-hmm. plays a role in that interaction between the mind and the body and the spirit. Mm-hmm. So much of what I do now, um, travel with the center mm-hmm. as an international trainer, but also what I'm really passionate about is my role as a teacher, as a mom, as a peace builder. Mm-hmm. So when we think about ways to come to peace, we have to first start with ourselves. Mm-hmm. And the best way we can do that is to deepen our understanding of ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I practice Sufism. 
And one of the one of the core premises of Sufism is when you know yourself, then you know what you worship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I hear a little. You can hear my dog. I know he's always barking on this. So. Okay, I, was say, I hear a happy being he's in the always, background. Sometimes I try to walk away from him. So oh, he's, see me yeah, walking. It's just me walking away. From him. He knows your deal. He's trying he's to like, follow you. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> I mean that—that's what I do in a nutshell. And why is the ancestral work so important to our own healing because when i bring this up with people or we start to dig into it i don't this is not mainstream um Mm -hmm. practices meaning i mean i was in therapy for 20 years and never really had a therapist bring this up or especially around um the pain and trauma of our jewish line or my maternal lines pain and trauma. I mean, again, I'm just, it seems to be coming out as a practice more and more. And I'm so grateful because it's so profound. Well, you know, it is profound and it is important. Now, interestingly enough, when I was in social work school, we were taught how to draw our genogram. Oh. And we had to draw our entire family. Wow. And, and it made perfect sense, but it was really, we drew it just so we could know how to have our clients do it. Mm-hmm. And we looked at it as a, as a tool for, for symptomology. Mm-hmm. So this person has this terrible mental illness, and it's because his father was an alcoholic, and his father was an alcoholic, mm-hmm. and their father was an alcoholic. And it, 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 the whole purpose of it, my perception at that time, was to look at it from a lens of what's wrong, mm-hmm. which is how Western medicine looks anyway. The majority yeah. of Western medicine is always looking at what's wrong. Let me zoom in on that symptom and let me, let's, let's address that symptom. Mm-hmm. And I tend to look at the genogram. And when I say genogram, it's basically a diagram mm-hmm. that looks at, looks at your family through your lens. Mm-hmm. And so two people from the same lineage, while you may have the same family tree, you won't necessarily have the same genogram mm-hmm. because what's important to me might not be important to my sister or my brother or my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, the other piece about it is that it's always, it's, it's, an, it's an alive thing. It's totally alive. Mm-hmm. So when I guide someone into drawing out their genogram, I want them to look at it through the way they are right now. So if someone's struggling with mm-hmm. something or if someone's trying to master something, or if someone is super excited about something, the genogram can give them answers mm-hmm. on, wow, how did I even end up understanding this about myself? Or how did I end up in this career path? How did I end up with this man? How did I end up with this woman? How do I keep repeating these patterns? Oh, there's the pattern right there. Oh, I see. She did that. He did that. I think I'm going to figure out how to change that pattern. Did they change the pattern? No, they didn't change it. Okay. I get to change it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so powerful as a visual. And when I did it at um, the training in October, Mm -hmm. it was so funny to watch my response and reaction. Like I was the observer and I was watching my Mm -hmm. ego just be really angry. I really wanted to know exactly how to do it. 
And I was mad at Dr. Carroll for giving us a small piece of paper because I wanted a big <laughs> piece of paper. And I kept looking up and looking around. And I think what was happening was this like trying something new and being uncomfortable mm -hmm. and wanting to figure out how to do it right or wrong yeah. and realizing that there's, that there's no such thing because it's more right. about your own interpretation and trusting that. And the first time you do something like that, that trust is really important to know that there isn't a right way or a wrong way to do it because it's really about picking apart the elements that are most relevant um and at that time at that in that moment in yeah. that moment because you do them you can do them multiple times and in january mm -hmm. at our nourish retreat which was our like intuitive eating and food mm -hmm. and ayurveda retreat we did geneograms that were themed on our history of food in our family. There you go. And that was so different and beautiful and emotional and amazing. So also using it as a tool for a variety of themes and topics. Right. So cool. It is. It is. What do you think? Um, okay. So you're doing a lot of international work mm -hmm. and you live in Baltimore. And so you have a lot of Baltimore work also. What are the commonalities and differences that you see right now with human beings on this planet and the stress and the mm. distractions and things like that, that we're going through? What are the things that are in common? What are the things that are different? So there's a lot in common, even though we are living under the illusion that that there's not um everywhere i go people are people are feeling a sense of um disruption mm -hmm. uncertainty there's a lot of fear of the unknown mm -hmm. people are afraid of of what mother nature is capable of and people are afraid of what other humans are capable of. And that is the theme everywhere I go. I go into places overseas and across the country that have experienced natural or man-made disasters. Mm -hmm. And when I say man-made disaster, I'm talking about mass shootings. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I view those as acts of war and terrorism. Mm -hmm. And our country is besieged by these acts, um, whether our national security, security calls them acts of war is another issue. Yeah. They are experienced in the physical body as an act of war. If you're at a concert and someone yeah. you know, shoots 500 people around you. Um, and so what's happening abroad and what's happening here are very similar. Mm -hmm. People are afraid of each other. And I find that people are beginning to see each other through one dimension he is a she is a and and so while the genogram isn't the only tool it is one tool in which I can sit down with a person and say yes I heard you call George a dirty bastard <laughs> I'm just you know this person in your family yeah what else do you know about him yeah well you know, Philip raised him and, and Philip was a pedophile. Ah, mm. okay. And so then people start to like shift, shift the lens, change the lens. So George is no longer this one dimensional person who was just this mean 
dirty bastard. George is, is a person in your lineage who, who experienced tremendous suffering. Oh, and this symptom that you talked about, this challenge that you have, do you think it's possible that George had this? Well, you know, I never thought about it before, but I think it is possible. Ah. Oh. So when you're able to shift that perception of the person in your family, it expands your lens of how you see yourself and how you see the rest of humanity. And so I always have a, a hidden agenda in any exercise I do with anybody. And it's to change the picture and change the voice. Um, and when we can do that, then that sort of opens up the doorway to enhance understanding and forgiveness. And it doesn't mean that this, this behavior or this thing that happened in your family was okay, mm -hmm. but it does help you to put it into perspective. Mm -hmm. And so what happens when people do this, this drawing in a group, mm -hmm. then they're like, oh my gosh, we're so much alike. Oh, I had no idea that, a, you know, a lady from the reservation would have so much in common with me, a woman from DC. And, mm -hmm. and it's just this beautiful comforting thing that happens. Um, and so to, to sort of wind down, wind into the, the beginning of your question is I find that people are stuck in a huge misunderstanding mm -hmm. and the genogram helps people bring light to that misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. And it's fascinating to see it in a variety. You've done it with lots of different groups now over the years. So you've seen it over and over. So you get to see those patterns. I've mm -hmm. only been doing it for less than a year in a few groups. Mm -hmm. And the patterns, the thing that stood out to me the most was the amount of alcoholism. In oh, yeah. Um, that we don't talk about, you know, as a culture and we don't bring up and it's very shameful and it's very hidden. Um, so that was, that was one thing that I noticed after doing all the groups was how much alcoholism was so prevalent. Oh, yeah. Um, which then of course there was abuse in a lot of those same lines, but mm -hmm. also just the, the alcoholism was a piece that is again, something legal, something a lot of people participate in that was really really hurting families. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about how you see, you said you sort of touched on this and I want you to go deeper with how tr um, in currently in Western medicine, we're looking at the symptoms and what's wrong mm -hmm. and we deal with that. And from this perspective, there's a deeper invitation to look at our history and to invite them in to help us to move forward. Yes. And mm -hmm. to work with our history and our people and our strengths and mm -hmm. bring them into this life in a positive way. Can you talk about how you do that? Yeah, that, that's exactly what I do. Yes. Um, <laughs> that's the premise of my book. Woo! <laughs> going to be born! Yes, yes. <laughs> it, it is the premise. It's, it's looking at, you know, when we start the genogram, we start looking at where's the trauma, where's the addiction, where's the yeah. chronic illness, you know, where's the cancer? Where's the migraines? You know, where's the rape? Where's the this? Where's the that? And all those are real. Yeah. And then I want people to look at, okay, all this happened to this person. 
what is good? What was, what was the strength in there? How did they overcome it? How did they move past it? And so I want people to look at the people that have, that have moved past it in ways that have been unique, um, but also look at the people who struggle with moving past it. And, and what was their strength? And, and what was courageous and good about them in the midst of that? So my book, you know, is about my grandmother and uh, she, she was a beautiful soul, but, and she suffered a great deal when she was alive. When she was 34 years old, she suffered a massive stroke as a result of a police officer putting a gun to her head. She um, could walk, she could neither walk nor talk. She was incontinent for the next 50 years of her life. She suffered a lot being a single African-American woman of, of very little financial means. And um, I mean, there's a whole long list of traumas that she endured. And when I sat with, with her, I sat with her as a living being and then I sat with her soul, all I could hear was her laughter. And all I could hear was her voice telling me, yeah, yeah, this, this is bad. This kind of sucks. And you can make a choice on how, how you manage this. You can make a choice on how you, how you see this. You can decide to forgive. You can decide to move on. You can decide to love anyway. You can decide to be an, an harsh, uh, heartless person who can't walk or you can still bring in the light through a language that transcends what you're to emote from your throat. Mm -hmm. And that's what I learned from her. So I use her as an example into my heart when I'm working with someone else. All right, this, this person um, struggled with a lot of illnesses. Mm -hmm. This person struggled through all of these horrible, horrible life experiences. And what grew out of that? What did they teach you from that? What did they learn themselves from that? Mm -hmm. And so people start to say, hmm. And they start to really expand on what the possibilities are for their lives. Mm -hmm. I think an example that's coming into my consciousness right now is, um, a woman that I used to see who, whose family, her dad's line was full of suicide and alcoholism. Mm -hmm. um, and so she had really dismissed her, her dad in many ways mm -hmm. um, because he also struggled with alcoholism. Mm -hmm. And then we looked at, at all the different things that happened in dad's life that led to him going into this lifestyle that it wasn't all his fault, number one, she, she began to realize through the genogram. And then something beautiful happened. She um, decided to have a relationship with him again. And we talked about what that relationship would look like mm -hmm. based on what you know about what his father's father's father did to him and based on the fact that he's not in therapy like you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so what can this relationship look like that can bring healing to the father's 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 father. Because I also teach clients 
what is in the root of Chinese medicine, that if we experience a healing, it goes back seven generations mm -hmm. and then it goes forward seven generations. Mm -hmm. So how do you want your kids to experience your dad and his dad and his dad? And the woman said, I want, I want my kids to experience it through a clean light, a clean lens. Mm -hmm. Okay, so how do you go back and be in relationship with your dad? In a way that honors that you might need to have a boundary, but also honors the, the, the many dimensions of his humanity. And she was able to do that. Mm -hmm. And her, her dad came to visit her. Mm -hmm. And when she drove away, he basically said, I'm, I'm proud of you. Mm. First time ever. Mm -hmm. Three months later, her, her father passed away. So now he's over on that other side. Mm -hmm. So when her kids draw that genogram, it's a, it's a totally different drawing. Grandpa's not a jerk. Grandpa's not a drunk. Grandpa was the guy that came over and brought me some, some toys and kissed me in my head and played on the floor with me. <laughs> and, and that was the last time I saw him. Yeah. You know, but that was it. So it got, the memories, although they still exist, they get... They get strengthened and they get cleaned up in a way that promotes health. And so that's my goal. When I teach this genogram, when I share it, when I, I guide people to make it their own. So you're right. I don't, I, like you said, when, when you want a cow to give you more paper, <laughs> I don't, I don't give too many instructions. I know. I don't either. Now that I've led it, I don't either. But that, what was funny was that I'm so glad I actually had that experience that like mm -hmm. visceral, like, what are you asking me to do here? And how do you want the shapes, which don't matter at all? No, they don't matter at all. But I'm so glad I did because I was able to bump up against what so many people have and yeah. experience the first time with like, tell me what to do and how am I doing this right? And what's the purpose? Because the purpose is underneath the experience, but you have to go through it in that setting, either group or alone to know that. But that that first layer is very like tell me what to do here and what i'm going to yeah. get from it and what you want to oh. know well <laughs> you know our part of why we struggle so much with our mental health is the part of us that wants to be perfect yeah and oh. then we get this piece of paper and we're like what the hell is this i can't be perfect so when oh. i teach it i draw at the top of my slide i say a perfectly imperfect genome yeah. and it's a hot mess yeah yeah <laughs> You know, it's, it's in crayon, yeah. it's scribble scratch. And I do that intentionally. So I tell people, yeah. yours is going to be a hot yeah. mess too. Yeah. So we're going to release the perfectionism because you yeah. don't have a perfect family. Yeah. Because there's no such thing as a perfect family. There's no such thing as a perfect parent. Right. And right. if we step into releasing that, then we can be with people in another way. But you also I mention themes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I was thinking about ways in which I've helped people look for themes. Yeah. Um, you did, you talked about the food. I help people look at, look at sugar mm -hmm. specifically because I struggle with sugar. Mm -hmm. I love sugar. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've had people look at it around their intimacy, intimacy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, who, who, who had a partner, who had a long-term partner, mm -hmm. who, who, what, what were the messages around sex yeah. that you got or didn't got from that or didn't get from these people? Mm -hmm. um, so whatever it is that's that's popping up that's popping up for you, look through it. Mm -hmm. If it's cancer, where's the cancer in your yeah. family? Um, 
So I, you know, I, I draw it every time I teach it. And every time I teach mm -hmm. it, it's a new drawing. Yeah. <laughs> um, if I could share a piece that's really beautiful. Yeah, of course. For years, um, I would draw my genogram and I would tell people, um, you know, my mom doesn't want me to say her father's name. I, I was not allowed to speak his name. Mm -hmm. But I knew his name and I used to put his name in the genogram. But he mm -hmm. was one of the unmentionables. Mm -hmm. And um, for years, I mean, my whole life, I wasn't allowed to say his name. So I did this. I did something like this with my mom. We didn't do the full-fledged genogram, but mm -hmm. we took her on retreat and we did some stuff around letting go of shame. Yeah. And she let go of the shame. <laughs> and a year ago, her father has passed away. She finds her biological brothers on her father's side. And two weeks ago, one of the brothers who also passed away, um, I found his son and he came to the, he came to my mom's 75th birthday party. Wow. And I know before I started doing this work, before I let go of anything, any shame that I was carrying, my mother would have had a fit if I had this guy come to her. her yeah. You did what? My, you, you, my, who knows about this? Yeah. And now she's like, oh, this is beautiful. I'm so happy. Mm -hmm. She was crying. She was ecstatic. Like it's like, People just want to know who they are. Yeah. And then people can decide what they want to do with the relationship yeah. later. Yeah. And there was something very fulfilling for her around that mm -hmm. and for us. And so I did my genogram again last week and it's a different, it's a different yeah. drawing. Cause now I have a cousin in there and it's different. Um, and the time, I mean, again, I just think like the idea that this, it takes time to do this exploration because it's not like you do it once and it's done. Mm -hmm. It's not like you think about the question marks. The first time I did it, there was a lot of question marks. So that led me to have a bunch of conversations with the question mark side of the family, <laughs> which I never realized they were all question marks. So of course there was a lot to learn there, but so then the second and third time is like that unfolding, that layering, it takes time and space and a real intention for uh, wholeness and healing is, is really how I look at it is like this. Yes, this is it. You need the spaciousness and the, and the intention. It's not, oh, I went to one retreat once and I did it and now I'm done. And that mentality is part of perfectionist mentality or part of, okay, now I check the box. It's, it's part of masculine, how it dominates our culture in terms of this is how we see things. And then once you do it, once you're done, it's so much deeper and weaving and layered and always expanding. And I just like to remind people of that because a lot of times people will say things, I know you get this all the time, um, is like, oh, I just want to be where you're at. Mm -hmm. or you're further along than I am, or you're doing more. I want to be where you are. And for me, I'm like, really, where am I? Cause I'm just learning new stuff every day. I don't know how you right. could get here. Cause I don't know where I am, except that I'm like, Whoa, I'm curious. Whoa, that's interesting. Wow. That's different. You know, yeah. what do you think about that? Oh, I get that. I get quite a bit of that. And I also get, um, what I get more of is a level of impatience. Totally. You know, that's related to that. 
Yes. You know, people are impatient with themselves. So like, I want to be where you are. Yeah. Knowing that I'm a, I'm a complete and utter work in progress all the time. Um, but also there's this idea of, well, I should be done. I should be done with this. Yes. I shouldn't even be talking about this anymore. Yeah. I, this should be so resolved and I should be happy by now. Mm-hmm. And, and part of what I have to let people see is happiness is a state. Mm-hmm. Sorrow is a state. Joy is a state. Uh, mm-hmm. Ecstasy is a state. And, and so the work is not the elimination of the sorrow mm-hmm. around what happened. The work is to make room for joy to come in and sorrow to come in and joy and sorrow and happiness and, and let all of them come through without being impatient around your own individual unique and glorious process. If I had rushed my mother through that shame, she would not have had the birthday party that she had. But there's, there's one day you look up and you're like, oh, hmm, it's gone. Mm-hmm. How about that? And none of us can tell you when that's going to be. Right. And I'm curious what you think about the whole um, it's hereditary or it's genetic, which is very dominant in anxiety and a lot of the autoimmune, a lot of the physical issues that I know a lot of our women deal with, um, I hear a lot. And also even on the cancer side around like, well, my mom had this, so I'm going to have this or I have this. Can you talk about how you see that uh, yeah. relationship? I'm glad you mentioned that because there was a, a speaker at the Psychotherapy Networker Symposium, Gabor Mate. Oh, He spoke about that. He's amazing. He is. He is. He's my new BFF. <laughs> I'm joking. Of course. So, you know. Let's he's, get him on faculty. <laughs> yes. So, you know, the, the reality of it is there's, first of all, there's no gene for anxiety. Um, now, that being said, can you be more prone to something because it exists in your family line? Absolutely. And however, we know from so much research that every gene in your body does not have to express itself in your life. So given the fact that you may be genetically predisposed to a chronic illness negates the fact that there's so many factors involved in the manifestation of that illness that um, you can't blame or, or insist that this is going to happen to you. And I think the best example I have is in my own life. Um, I used to see this physician who found out that I had uh, breast cancer on my maternal side. Mm-hmm. My mom's sister had breast cancer. And, you know, she's doing a basic intake and she's asking me questions. And then she finds out about my mother's sister and she starts freaking out. And, oh, we have to get you, she starts talking about me getting tested for this. And and I was like, whoa, slow down, slow down. Let me just tell you something. The person that you're referring to had an abusive marriage. Mm -hmm. She had very little support. She smoked and drank daily. She lived in a tenement. None of those things are my reality. Mm -hmm. 
I am not going to start jumping around getting tested for something that has not manifested in my body at all. And so she backed down and eventually I, I ended up finding a new physician because she um, wanted it to be all about this one individual in my family line instead of looking at me and even asking me questions about other factors in my life that could, con that could contribute to this potential predisposition, but didn't necessarily mean that it was mine. So that's what I encourage my clients to do, to yeah. not, dismiss, not dismiss how they feel, not to dismiss genetics, but also see themselves through multiple lenses mm -hmm. and to not let other healthcare providers dismiss them either. Yeah, I think one of the best examples I also have for gen, you know, genetic is um, you know, African-American women tend to be larger than other than just regular whatever regular means. I know my <laughs> like, women of European descent. <laughs> yeah. You know, that have been in this country for hundreds of years, like African American women. Yeah. So, you know, a woman I used to work with, she got her medical chart from her doc. And the chart African American woman obese, 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 obese. And I said, is this really who you want to be your doctor? Yeah. And and we did her genogram. And I said, let's take this back as far as we can go. And we took it back to, to the daughter of a slave. Mm -hmm. what, were the, what were the strengths that allowed a daughter of a slave to even exist, to even be born? Like, what did those people carry? And she said, oh, they must have carried weight. Oh, yeah, how about that? They carried weight. Mm -hmm. So you are the are the result of, of a people who survived because they carried the most weight because they were starved for three to six months in the hold of a ship. Mm -hmm. She's like, oh, I didn't think about it like that. Right. So don't let this person that sees you one time dismiss you as a fat girl mm -hmm. without looking at you as a total human being. And I say fat girl in quotation marks because um, she really wasn't obese. She was just larger than the chart. It hadn't taken into account all of the other factors. All of the other factors. Right, right. right. And so, you know, I, the genogram moves us away from quantifying our lives mm -hmm. to qualifying it. You know, it's qualitative data. It's not quantitative data. And it's important information. And I think that people so have such a high respect and regard for any um, doctor, DR period, that there's just then so much fear. And because people are already, from an Ayurvedic perspective, we would use the language like in a vata imbalance. So they're already in their head spinning and circling and there's all of this fear and anxiety. Then they go to a doctor who feeds the fear. And then it's this cycle of, well, my doctor said, and I'm scared, so I'm going to do all these things. And then we find all these things. And then we prove to ourselves that we have the things that we're afraid of. And this cycle continues. That's true. So, but you know, I use, I don't, it's not mine. I don't even know where it came from. Cause I think it's so, it's like universal knowledge now, at least in our world that emotions and energy is contagious. Mm -hmm. So yeah, of course, 
like in a home with a chaotic parent, a child is going to present some chaotic type behavior, whether that's anxiety or depression, because that's, that's how they grew up. And that's in their, that becomes part of their, uh, their system or their framework for operating, um, whether the cells are turned on or turned off. So I just think it's so interesting to talk about these patterns in families when we, when we understand that the emotions and energy part are also playing into it, that mm-hmm. it, it's too hard to separate. Is this genetics? Is this hereditary? Or is this just part of the, this is all contagious and we're all so interconnected that it really can be sort of as simple, quote unquote. But I love the model that the Center for Mind-Body Medicine uses in our skills groups. And then also with this is that we're not trying to fix it. Mm-mm. We're not broken and we're not fixing. So mm-hmm. in the groups, that space to breathe and share and then sort of acknowledge and move on is super powerful. And I think it's part of this, what you're saying also is like, we're just bringing it sort of to light and then seeing what happens over time. Right. Absolutely. And we don't decide when the time is for you. Yeah. So to start to close, because I want to respect your time, I want you to share from your heart. So typically women listen to this, they're very full lives. They've got kids and jobs and a huge heart. They're in service. They're doing all the things. They're so smart. What do you want them to hear from you? Mm, Well, you just gave them everything. (laughs) Um, What I want them, what I want them to know is probably what my big mama would want them to know is the best thing that you can do for yourself, for humanity, is to show up with the deepest love, to be completely comfortable with every mistake, and to laugh from the bottom of your belly every single day. And be all those great things that Pleasant said you are. <laughs> I like the laugh one. Sometimes I find it challenging. And so I've been doing like trying to watch a lot of comedy because I it's the world is so intense and I, you know, I'm very in it. And so I'll watch comedy, but a lot of times I don't even think it's that funny. So I try to like fake it a little bit just to get the muscles <laughs> working sometimes. Yes. So. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. I do the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I take, you know, take it seriously, but not so seriously where you lose sight of your uh, playfulness. Absolutely. Right? Yes. Um, Absolutely. Where can people find you? They can find me when I'm not somewhere else. I'm in Catonsville, Maryland. They can find me at, I'm going to spell my name because it's an interesting last name, is drsabrinaandjai.com. It's D-R-S-A-B-R-I-N-A. My last name is spelled N-D-I-A-Y-E.com. And I work at theheartnest.com. And they can call me, or they can email me, Sabrina, 
ettheheartnest.com. I'll put all of those links in. Fantastic. And I just want to say thank you for all of the work. Thank that you, Pleasance. Oh, thank I, you. you know, you're the best. And that book is coming out. And it's I know coming. it is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A whole new wave of excitement <laughs> and high demands from my genogram to hurry up. So, yeah, so yeah, yeah. those texts better, call, better text you every day now. Yes. When's yes. it coming? When's it coming? Don't stop. Um, Don't stop. In the future, I'd like to invite you back maybe in the fall when you're done with the book or another sure. period when you feel to talk specifically about working with men and how we can help our partners. And uh, you and I have had specific conversations around helping white men. And that also, I just want to put sort of a pin in that because I think it's really, really, really important. And I don't think enough people are talking about it. Um, maybe they are, but it's through ads or commercials or commentary. And yeah. And I just want to have a heart conversation around that. That's with beautiful. You. Be open to I that. I would love that. Okay. I would love that. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you, baby. I hope to see you in real life soon. Absolutely. That's the goal. Okay. Bye. Bye, Bye everybody. Thank you. <laughs>